So let's pray as we get started. Father, I just, I thank you for the time that we get to come together, the time that we get to be, uh, be in community with each other, and the time that we get to just dig into your word and, and learn more about, about what you want us to learn. God, I, I just ask that you would be with us for the next, uh, next little while as we are learning, that you would open our eyes to what it is that you want us to hear, that you would open my mouth to the words you want me to say, and that you would just, um, you would just lead and guide the discussion to be uh, uh, encouraging and profitable for everyone who's here. God be with the youth who also use this building, that, that their lives from the, the retreats this fall would be, would be touched and would continue to, to build on those lessons they've been learning. I, and I just pray that you would be with them as they are in school, whether they are at Mount Calvary or at other schools, that they would be a light wherever they are and see the importance of that no matter what. God, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. So I need to start off, well, I guess with two apologies. One was for being late. I couldn't, I'm going to try something a little different, and I couldn't figure out how to do it when things had to change at the last minute. So I had to go back and get something else. But, um, but the second one is, some of you are like me, and you don't like blanks to stay blank. <laughs> and I forgot the last time I was teaching for us to fill in this blank. So we're going to rewind. And so if you have your, this is called an at-a-glance chart, by the way. So we're going to rewind briefly and fill in our theme for chapter one. Um, so if you are like me and this blank has been driving you crazy, I am sorry. <laughs> I opened my book on Thursday of last week and I looked and I was like oh no it's blank and so I um, I had to deal with that myself too so um, <laughs> but we're, so we're gonna fill in that box today first and then at the end because we'll be finishing chapter two we're gonna fill in that second box as well um, but before we can fill in the blank for theme, we need to talk about what theme means and how we come up with what it is. So Catherine, just a, a week ago, came home and was talking about what she was learning in her language arts class. And she says, I hate having to come up with the theme for something. Um, it's, it's because theme takes your step, it takes you to that second step. Theme takes you from that observation step that we've been doing with marking our keywords, with, with keeping those, those keywords, with making those lists, with, with highlighting things, with, with reading it. And it goes to the next step, which is interpretation. And for, for Catherine, that's very hard for her because because that means that not everybody's answer is going to be exactly the same. There's not one right answer to go for. So she has a hard time with that. So I'm going to tell you in advance, 
your answer may not be the same as your neighbor's answer, and that's a good thing. Um, the, so the theme is really the, the central message. It is not something that's stated directly, and it's not the same, necessarily the same as the main idea. Um, uh, uh, oh, I already said that. Uh, a theme will be a sentence, not just a word, although when I write our ideas up here, I'm just going to write words so that we can just keep things moving. But, um, but a, a good way to think about the theme is to ask yourself this question. What does the author want me to recognize from this passage? I'm going to say it one more time. What does the author want me to recognize from this passage? For example, when you think about Aesop's fables, and you read Aesop's fables, there's always that moral to the story at the end of it. That's the theme. That's the, that's the idea of theme. So if that helps you think about it, that's one way to think about it. When you think about a parable that Jesus tells, the point of him telling the story, the lesson he's trying to teach, that is the theme. That's what we want to be, um, to be thinking about. It's, it's the author, in that case, Jesus' words, the teacher, what he wants us to learn. So that's our theme. So we're going to take a minute because it's been a few weeks since we did Ruth, Ruth 1, because again, failure as a teacher. Um, <laughs> but we're going to look, just review real quick, and then, and then we'll come up with some ideas for theme. So Naomi and her family, they fled a famine in Judah. They lived in Bethlehem. They fled Bethlehem and went to Moab. Now, Moab was the enemy. Um, as some of us were in the ladies' Bible class on Sunday, we saw that, that David was still fighting the Moabites and killed off a bunch of them in 2 Samuel. So even after this, generations after, is, it's still an enemy of God. But they fled to Moab. The sons, the two sons, married Moabite women. And within 10 years, we know that Naomi's husband, Elimelech, and both her sons are dead. And then we, hear, we learn that Naomi has learned somehow, she's heard that the famine has ended in Judah. And so she decides to return to Bethlehem, to go home. She tells her daughters-in-law to go back to their families. Ruth refuses she accompanies Naomi back to Bethlehem, and upon Naomi's return, she is greeted warmly, but she's filled with bitterness at all that she has lost. And so, let's see, I think, I think I decided my purple will show up the best. I had to go with what I could find, which means the markers that my kids rejected for school. So, let's see if I don't knock anything over as we do this. Is that in the screen now? Okay, perfect. So remember, I'm just going to be writing a word or two. I don't know that 
I don't know that Kelly and Karen can see. There we go. Um, I'm just going to be writing a word or two, but you'll write a sentence for your for your thing, um, for your theme. So, what are some key ideas from Ruth chapter one that are possible themes for our chapter? Yeah, Naomi goes from full to empty. What else? Interruptions of life. Yeah, the interruptions of life as she knew it. What else? Hope in a hopeless time. This is why I'm not a school teacher. I can't write on a board. <laughs> what about Ruth? next to those and an N up there for those. Yeah, and then there's the, the idea of of Naomi and her family fled from God. Did they really flee from God? And so there's that concept that's sort of floating around there too in, in terms of, of even the consequences of trying to run away from God. We have a lot of options up here, right? They are all right answers. They all can be supported by evidence that's in, in your scripture, that any of these are involved. And so, so those are all acceptable themes 
This is the part where you have to pick one to decide what it is that the author is trying to communicate to you. Just to let you know, my theme this time through the book is different from the previous two times that I've done this for this book. It is okay. God is going to use your life experiences and, and your, uh, just you to tell you what it is that you need to hear from his word. It's, it is alive and active. That's exactly right. So I'm going to, to shift it just a little bit. So video people, you'll have to pause if you need a minute. But uh, I'm going to shift this back over and, and get myself adjusted again while you guys come up with what your theme would be. Take a minute to write that down and then we'll jump into our lesson. One thing as you're f filling in your chart, um, a, a good idea, though not required, is as you're thinking about your theme, to think about a verse from the chapter that would support your theme. So, for example, if you focused on Naomi's emptiness, you know, you could pick uh, Ruth one twenty one where she she talks about don't call me don't call me Naomi call me Mara because God has taken everything from me right I, that would be that would be that concept that would be a verse to go with that if you chose um Ruth's loyalty you know you pick Ruth 116 the the your god your people will be my people your god will be my god is is a verse that would go with that so, so those, that just gives you that extra supporting piece to what your theme is. Again, not necessary, but, but sometimes really beneficial to add that little, uh, that little extra piece. So then we can jump into our passage for today. So, so far in Ruth 2, we're introduced to Boaz, a man of influence in Bethlehem. And then Ruth goes and asks Naomi for permission to go and glean and get food for them to eat with, through backbreaking labor. My favorite phrase in the book, by chance is chance. Ruth goes to Boaz's field where Boaz takes notice of her. He treats her with great care, tells his men to protect her, tells his men to help her. Uh, and then he, he blesses her as well. And so I handed out some verses that, so I think, yeah, there's four of them. So the last person I gave a verse to, I think it was Deuteronomy. Yours isn't read yet. <laughs> You're still safe. Um, so let's read uh, Psalm 66, 5. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. Okay, and Psalm 147, 5. Praise our Lord and mighty in power, 
Lament, Lamentations 337. And then Romans 11.36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So those verses are all about just the power of God. And so, so when we think on those verses, we think on God's power. What does the word providence mean to you? His guiding of things. His guiding of things. His chance, chance. Yeah, that chance is chance. <laughs> chance. Yeah. What, anybody else? It's a plan. A plan. Yes. Have you ever heard someone say that they're going to be there unless they're providentially hindered? <laughs> like, that was something that uh, it drove me crazy for one particular person because it was every time it was like oh yeah i'll join you for lunch in half an hour unless i'm providentially hindered and you're just like it's half an hour like really but um right yeah yeah if god wills in the creek doesn't rise that's exactly right same exact idea but it's, it's that concept of God being in complete control that, that the, that concept of luck is non-existent. It's providence. Um, and, and it's, it's providence because of that supreme power and authority that these ladies read about in those verses. And so as we look at today's passage, I want you to think about it with God's providence in mind, with that concept of God's plan, God's complete control, and God's power behind that control and, and the authority behind that control. And I am starting in verse 17 just because that's the beginning of the paragraph in the ESVs. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. 
So our who, and when we think back to those, those five W's and an H, our who has shifted yet again from Boaz and Ruth to Naomi and Ruth. And, and our where has shifted from the fields outside of Bethlehem to this, this place where Ruth and Naomi are staying inside those city walls. So remember what we've been reading about, what we've been learning about, that Ruth has spent the day working in the fields. She was gathering the leftover barley, including some that was dropped intentionally by Boaz's men. But this was, this was late April, early May. Um, she would have had to protect herself from the sun, still dealing with temperatures in the 70s at least. Um, bending and carrying pounds and pounds and pounds of barley. And when it's on the stalk, if you recall, that makes it a little more awkward to carry, a little heavier to carry. And here she's bending and standing upright and bending and standing upright and bending and standing upright. And then she still needs to thresh it before walking back to town, miles back to town. So while there's a disagreement about exactly how much barley is in this effa of barley, um, it was, it, it could be anywhere from 13 quarts to 42 quarts. Like that's a huge discrepancy here. But the exact amount doesn't matter. What we have to remember is a couple of things is we know that it was enough grain to feed Naomi and Ruth from anywhere from a week to a month. Likely a good estimate would be about 30 pounds of grain that she brought back. But this was extraordinary for a gleaner to collect in a single day. That's why Naomi noticed it. Naomi took notice because it was this massive amount of grain for a gleaner to collect. So our exact amount doesn't matter. That's been lost to history. That, that value for the, the EFA has been lost to history, and that's okay. That detail doesn't matter. That detail is unimportant. What we know is when Naomi looked at that EFA of barley, she was shocked. So it, was, it just shows how great the generosity of Boaz truly is. So Ruth was in the field collecting barley all day long. It gets to where dusk is falling. And then she has to thresh it to get just the grain and not bringing back all those stalks as well. So by the time she gets home, she's exhausted. She's been moving and working and hard labor all day long, carrying this, this I'm using 30 pounds just because that's an, a number that's easier to say and think about, 30 pounds of grain, that she didn't have a cart, she didn't have anything to help her carry it except her body. And it would have been dark at that point. 
Now think back to the protection she had while she was in the field with the men. Think to what Naomi told her in this passage, stick to those men or you may be assaulted. And yet she had to walk miles alone back to town. But when we think about Naomi's response to Ruth and Ruth returning, we have to think about Naomi's attitude and Naomi's state of mind. And so when Ruth left Naomi that morning, what was her attitude? What was her outlook? Somebody said something over here. Not hopeful. Anxiety. Yeah. Well, Ruth went out as a necessity of survival. What was Naomi? Naomi wasn't even willing to go out, right? And so she was perfectly happy for Ruth to go and risk her life to go and get food, but wasn't willing to go with her. She was still bitter, right? She was still where we left her at the end of chapter one, where she came back and she said, I've been emptied of everything. Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Naomi gave no words of hope or encouragement to Ruth. All she said was, go, my daughter. Go, get me some food. If you come back, great. You know, so Ruth would have been tired, dirty, likely hungry again. She had eaten and eaten her fill and had that roast grain, but she brought that extra roast grain back for Naomi. So the, but, but we think about that sheer amount of grain and, and then we see Naomi's excitement where, um, where she immediately starts asking, where did you glean today? She's saying, where in the world did you come up with that amount of grain? Her attitude has already shifted because she has seen the provision of the Lord. So, so think back to Ruth now. Ruth did all that work all day long. Back-breaking labor all day long. And yet when we read verse 19, who is it? that Naomi recognizes. The man, right? Where did you go? What man's field did you come from? um, Blessed be the man who took notice of you. She doesn't even know who it is yet. And yet here's Ruth who's done all this work and Naomi is blessing this unknown man. Now, this is very much like Naomi. It, it, this, is, this is that mindset of you and I had nothing. It's not us. It's got to be the man because it ain't God, right? Because, because she 
is still in that trying to come out of that God took everything from me. That takes some time. So it's got to be that man. Um, and, and so Naomi asks where she went. Where did you glean? And then Ruth's reply is with who? The man's name was Boaz. It wasn't, I worked in Boaz's field. It's who? Boaz. Um, uh, I got to turn my page so I'm at the right spot here. And so this, this is a, the beginning of a turning point for Naomi. Because Naomi, in verse 20, she says, to, it says, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. This verse is the beginning of the turning point for Naomi. She has now acknowledged God and God's role in this. And why did she acknowledge God's role? Because she started to see the providence of God in action. She sees that chance is chance because she says, Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. This is the first sign of hope that Naomi has experienced. This is a moment when God didn't just act by faith, he acted by sight. For Naomi. And it was an opportunity for God to strengthen the faith of Naomi. And so I want you to think about just something for you to sort of think about and process this week is in what ways has God acted in your past to strengthen your faith? Have you seen him work in a generous way like this toward you? I think no, I did not add that to my. So if as a small group, if you have something and you want to share something in your small group, that would be such an encouragement to the other ladies in your group. I did not add that as an optional small group question. So sorry, but, but it's really just how have you seen God work in your past at a time when you were maybe not hopeless, but you were down and you saw you saw God's faithfulness. Um, an example for me is, is when I had postpartum depression after I had Abby. Didn't have it with the first two, had no problems, and I did with the third. And it was miserable. And I was miserable. But I remember, so I, was, I had Abby in February, finally went to the doctor in May, and it was November. So I had been on medicine for six months. And in November, I remember waking up and looking at a basket on my dresser of makeup and for the first time feeling like I actually wanted to put makeup on. I don't wear makeup very often anyway. And so the fact that I actually felt like putting makeup on was this huge just blessing from God. God, that's my hope that I can make it through this. 
six months into medicine, nine months after having my baby, I finally had that glimmer of hope that I needed to make it the next six months of still medicine. It took six more months of medicine and then, and then months after that, and there are still times that I struggle. But God gave me that blessing of looking at a basket of makeup to give me the hope that I needed to carry on. That was his generous kindness toward me. Um, and when we look at that word kindness there in verse 20, that's the word, the Hebrew word, the hesed word. That's that word that, that I, I have marked on the bottom of your, your keywords list. That's that concept that doesn't really translate perfectly into English. It's the mercy and the grace and the loving kindness and the goodness, and it's all wrapped up into one word. So it wasn't just kindness that Naomi was recognizing. It was an above, above and beyond kindness, a, an almost godlike kindness. Um, and so that's one of those... That's one of those moments you just want to think about. That's the Hesed love of, of God. Um, in the book, which is in my bag back here, the Liz Curtis Higgs book, the girl still got it. She says the Hebrew word Hesed plays a pivotal role in the book of Ruth. What separates Hesed from a random act of kindness is that the action must be the essential to the survival or basic well-being of the recipient it must be only some, something only the person doing the act of hesed is in the position to provide. And so with those two criteria in mind, essential survival or basic well-being, and only the person doing the act is in the position to provide it, how does Ruth qualify as showing Naomi hesed? So we saw how Boaz did for Ruth. How does Ruth do that to Naomi? That morning, was Naomi in any position to leave her house and go and glean? No. So her very survival was dependent on someone else doing something. And the only person... It feels like she would trust at that point. It wasn't those other women. Those other women are the ones that she said, don't call me Naomi, call me bitter. Well, I wouldn't want to be around a person like that. And so it's really basically her just shutting them out, right? She had nobody else to rely on besides Ruth. And so here is Ruth providing food, which is essential to survival, and is the only person in that position to be able to provide it. Um, the, yeah, while, while Ruth, um, and so that's the, that concept of the hesed, and then, but then when we think about that close relative, one of our redeemers, Ruth was not aware of the significance of Boaz except for food. He was her supplier of food. It was a very physical 
need being met in Ruth's eyes that Boaz was, was providing. But Naomi immediately recognizes it's different. She says, he's a close relative, one of our redeemers. Uh, this idea is referred to as kinsman redeemer, or the Hebrew is goel. This is kind of the Old Testament version of being a savior, <clears throat> excuse me, a savior for the family. And so, Joyce, was it you that I gave Deuteronomy 5? Yes. Okay. Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. So this concept of the kinsman redeemer of, you may hear it as leveret marriage. Um, we're going to look, this is kind of the beginning of looking into it for the next two chapters. Um, Sandy's going to go into much more detail next week, so I don't want to, to get too deep. But... I want you to think about, so if you didn't write down what that passage is, write down Deuteronomy 25. It's on your homework. Perfect. It's on your homework sheet. So this week, as you're reading chapter 3 of Ruth, reread that Deuteronomy 25 passage so that you can get the idea as you're reading ahead what that concept of kinsman redeemer, that, that God-given concept of kinsman redeemer is um, so keep that in your mind as as you prepare for next week um, so that's all I'm going to say about kinsman redeemer so Sandy's going to take it next week <laughs> and run with it um, but but thinking about thinking about that that kinsman redeemer and the and the that word redeemer when you think about Christ that's the point so, so think through that as you're doing Ruth 3 for next week. Um, but then we go, if we go back, Naomi says to her daughter, it's good that you go out with his young women. Keep in mind, what did Boaz say? What did Ruth tell her that Boaz said there in Ruth, in verse 21? You shall keep close by my young men. And then what does Naomi tell her? It is good that you go out with his young women. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting 
because Naomi has hope. She's been given hope. But she still tells, she, she doesn't change her attitude fully. She hasn't changed her attitude fully. She still doesn't trust that Ruth will be safe. If she goes with the men, she won't be safe. Um, this, she still tells Ruth to go and finish, but she tells her go and finish with the young women, not the men. Um, and so, so at, as we end the chapter, and, and we see that, that um, she did end up keeping close to the young women of Boaz, and she gleaned until the end of the barley and the wheat harvests. That would have been six to eight weeks, probably, that she would have gone out every day, not on the Sabbath, but every day, gone out, done this back-breaking labor, come home, and given Naomi the, the, the grain. Um, but what we see as we end this chapter is that their need for food is satisfied, but their need for redemption is not yet, not yet satisfied. And so um, now we get to go back because we've now finished chapter two and I don't want to forget again. We get to go back and we get to fill in our second blank on our at a glance chart. So what are some ideas that you can think of for the theme for Ruth chapter 2? Say that again. Favor in Ruth. I forgot to label Ruth 2. Okay. Oh man. So good people in action. Providence. Providence. Action with a purpose. Okay. Let me write providence before I forget. And then action with purpose. What about Naomi? What did Naomi find? Faith was strengthened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so 
God's kindness in our in our weaknesses, in our weak places. Um, and then and we can also think about Boaz. Boaz as redeemer, Boaz as protector, um, any any of those types of, of things, because Boaz was a big part in the in the, this chapter as well. And so choose one of these or choose one that's not on here, entirely acceptable, to be your theme for chapter two. If you can come up with the theme verse, that's excellent. The key verse that goes with your theme. Um, so, so think about that and congratulations. You have now taken this step from observation to interpretation. And now it's my job to give you application, which would be our third step. So as we close today, I want to challenge you to live a life like Ruth did. Ruth is a model of devotion for any relationship. And so is there a relationship in your life that you need to be more intentional about this week or in the coming weeks and months? Is there maybe someone that you've struggled to love because of their attitude of hopelessness or bitterness that you should reach out to and devote some time and energy to? Is there someone that needs to experience your Hesed love this week? So, so take what we've talked about with Ruth, with this end of Ruth, where we've seen Naomi be the recipient and Ruth be unrecognized for that, but obedient, right? And, and so think through that this week as you look and consider your own, um, your own relationships. For next week... Um, continue marking your keywords. In particular, note the words relative and redeemer. They're both on your, on your list, I think. Yeah, they're both on your list of keywords, but those are the, the big keywords for, for next week with that, that Deuteronomy 25 passage. Think about those words in particular, um, and then... Sandy has your homework, and we will carry on to small groups.